So at the beginning of Canto 8, they're still in the fifth circle of hell. They haven't quite left the wrathful behind. And Dante's broken his pattern here of previously having one circle of hell per canto, more or less. Now we're getting a kind of disruption of that pattern. We've got circles reaching across more than one canto, it feeling a little less tidy. And I think that that's a sort of poetic signal for what's about to happen. Um, they've seen the tower of the city of Dis in the distance. Dis, incidentally, is another name for Lucifer or Satan. So this is um, a way of saying where they're entering the sort of city of Satan proper. And it's going to shock them to the core in a way that's really crucial. So Dante, first of all, signals that to us with this disruption of his poetic pattern, as it were, making us feeling a bit unsettled. Quite where are we? What's going on? And that continues with the opening scenes of the eighth canto, um, where before they get to the Tower of Dis, Dante backtracks a bit and says, look, this is what happened. Um, first of all, they see signalling between the tower before them and other towers. It's not quite clear what's going on at this stage. And we subsequently learn that the towers are manned by demons and devils and fallen angels. So there's some kind of devilish, hellish communication going on here, um, which, as it were, might begin to upset Virgil and Dante, um, had they even kind of clocked what might be going on. Remember, up to this point, it seemed like Dante was getting the hang of his descent. He was seeing and asking, um, and as it were, it seemed like he was um, keeping his mind, so that he maybe he'd almost completed his descent, um, it might be feeling to Dante at that point. So there's these kind of strange lights in the sky. And then um, they see a boat speeding across the Styx, um, the, the great marshy river um, that they'd encountered, the second river in hell. Um, and it's been driven by Phlegias. Now Phlegias um, is another mythological figure. He's a king who was remembered um, for his infernal rage. Um, so it makes some sense uh, that he's driving this boat across the sticks. Um, it's said that it's flying as faster than an arrow could be shot from a bow. I think it's kind of flying faster than the speed of thought, you might say, um, which is a way of signalling about being in this psychological, physical zone, this imaginal reality, um, where what happens in the mind is uh, completely merged with what seems to be happening in front of you, and the objective and the subjective and so on is all one now. Um, and Phlegias says that he's out for Dante. Um, Dante might be getting a bit alarmed at this point. Um, it seems to be going okay, but look, now someone is out for him in particular. Now, quite why Phlegias should be out for Dante has been debated. Um, it's I, I, a quite a plausible explanation, I think, is that Phlegias, his role in hell was to keep um, the souls um, in their rightful place so they seem to be escaping, um, say, from the city of Dis and then he would intercept them. Um, Phlegias says that he has spotted Dante because Dante's from the land of the living still, um, and he's enraged about that. Virgil's word, though, as previously, um, is powerful enough to stop Phlegias in his tracks. Um, Virgil says to him, what's happening is willed by the one above, and as before, that's enough for the moment. 
um, and in fact they step into the boat um, and this is rather nice uh, intriguing kind of passage where Dante notes that the boat now plows through the water as if it's sort of dropped from um, the realm of thought reality into a more realm of physical reality because Dante of course having a body has weight um, so we're kind of kept to ourselves in this zone, in this sort of state of not quite knowing what reality we're in, but it feels very real what's going on. Um, I think, you know, us in the land of the living, you might say, are supposed to be feeling a little unsettled, a little unsure at this point too. And then what happens um, is that another angry soul emerges from underneath the water um, and starts to grab the boat. Um, he speaks to Dante um, and says, you know, I'm one who weeps too. Um, and what's so fascinating now is that Dante recognises him. We're told that in the previous canto he hadn't recognised any of the angry souls because they were so disfigured by their rage. Um, but now he does. Um, and you wonder why. Um, and you wonder why even more because Dante immediately himself um, launches into a tirade against um, this figure that's emerged. Um, we learn that he's called um, Filippo Argenti and I like the hypothesis which is an early one from the early commentaries uh, on the Divine Comedy um, that Filippo is um, the brother of one of Dante's persecutors and in particular he's the brother of the chap that stole all Dante's goods when Dante was banished from Florence um, and knew that he wouldn't return. So this encounter now is right up against Dante's own story and I think that's why he immediately launches into a rage particularly when it might have seemed that Filippo was trying to seize Dante much as his brother had just seized Dante's goods as if they have a kind of right um, to not just his property but his person. Uh, Dante um, is absolutely furious and curses him back to the mud. Then something in a way even stranger happens um, Virgil um, pushes Felipe back into the mud, um, back into his place, that's not so surprising, but then turns to Dante, hugs Dante and, and calls him blessed, says, O indignant soul, blessed is the womb that bore you and the woman who gave you birth. Now this is an echo of a biblical comment. Um, it's you know, really high praise from Virgil, although I, I think what's happening is that Virgil you know, still uh, uh, the pagan for the most part, um, gets gets his kind of quotation wrong. And because the quotation itself actually echoes one from the Gospel of Luke, where um, the story goes that a woman called out from the crowd and praised Jesus by saying, blessed um, is the womb that bore you and, and the breasts that fed you. Um, and um, Jesus corrects the woman from the crowd and so says, no, rather blessed are those who hear and understand the word of God. So this is an indication, I think, um, which would have been familiar, um, my guess is to um, those familiar with the Bible, certainly in Dante's time, um, that, uh, that Virgil's made a kind of misquote here. Um, but again, it's, it's not quite uh, so comfortable um, and so happy as it would first seem. And, and that discontent continues for us as readers, because then what happens is that Dante um, continues his tirade and says, you know, I'd love to see Filippo um, in the mud again, um, in, full of the tortures of hell. Um, you know, nothing would give me greater pleasure. 
Um, his rage itself is really quite ugly. And Virgil says, you know, your, your wish will be granted by hell. And sure enough, we then hear that as they cross the sticks, Dante sees Filippo again, and he sees him gnawing at himself. So profound is his rage um, at being um, now not able to fulfil his mad desire to seize Dante. Um, it's a really um, ugly and difficult scene, um, but I think sets up um, what's going to come now, because it's almost as if Virgil and Dante have strayed now into a territory where there are powers at play that they don't understand, which are more powerful than them, which Virgil's word is about to fall, um, and which is about to throw Dante um, into a really true terror. And sure enough, the mood of the canto completely changes at this point. Um, they hear wailing. Dante says that his eyes started to strain to see. Um, this great kind of sheet of terror descends upon them, um, which, you know, if you've ever felt that state, you know, makes you feel like you're losing your mind. You can't get a grip on reality. Um, you know you won't be able to find your way. Um, they do approach the walls of Dis. Um, remember that um, Phlegias is actually steering them in the boat. Um, and as they approach the walls, um, they see um, minarets, in fact, first of all. And remember that uh, Dante's living at the time when Islam was the great enemy of Christianity, um, quite literally um, at Western Europe's gates. Um, Islam was at its greatest extent um, after the conquest um, of Constantinople. An analogy might be the fear in the West of communism during the Cold War. It's almost as if Dante sees the missiles on Cuba um, during the missile crisis. Um, he notices that the walls of Dis are made of iron. Um, you know, this, uh, again, with, with the medieval overtones, this is the sort of hardest stuff that you can build out of. Um, so they're entering a zone of a new um, kind of impenetrable uh, material um, with the correlate of new, um, deeply fearful kind of mysteries um, and, and hardness of heart that they're going to have to penetrate. Um, and they actually see the fires of hell itself glowing. Um, there's this infernal light that fills the air that spills over the walls. Um, all the signals are being given that we're on the cusp of a new dimension of hell. Um, it's sometimes called the difference between upper hell they've been travelling through now um, and lower hell. Um, the plunge, as it were, is going to deepen um, if they can get through the walls of Dis. So the boatman takes them around, it says for quite some time, um, we're getting some sense um, of um, the size of this place, um, and then he commands them to get off the boat, this is, the, this is where they've got to land, and immediately um, Dante says that a thousand fallen angels appeared on the towers and the parapets, um, and they all looked at Dante and said, what is that living soul doing here um, in their rage? Um, you know, the terror of um, everybody looking at you. Um, he's not going to be able to creep in, sneak by. Um, I think that, you know, Dante is a kind of reverse miracle in this place. And much like when you see a miracle um, on Earth, um, it's a strange occurrence that you can't quite put down. It's very hard to make sense of. You know that something has intruded, um, probably 
pos um, positively into normal uh, reality. Um, it's like there's a whole new dimension of existence you didn't know that suddenly um, appears before you. Well, Dante in hell is a bit like that in reverse. Um, he's, you know, his presence shouts quite as loudly as a miracle might do on earth, um, but um, it provokes um, curses um, and horror and hate um, as a result, rather, rather than wonder. So Dan Dante is terrified. Um, Virgil, though, says, look, don't worry. Um, I'm going to speak my secret words to them, um, and like before, um, which has happened now seven or eight times, um, they will have to let us pass. Um, you know, he, he uses this phrase, the secret words, which I think now gives us this kind of assurance that there's a kind of uh, unwritten um, understanding that Virgil has um, that we perhaps don't understand fully ourselves yet, because ultimately it comes from paradise, um, from Beatrice, from Lucia, from the Virgin Mary as we heard in the very first canto. Um, but it's supposed, as it were, to, for us readers to give us a sense of assurance. Um, he approaches the devils, and the devils immediately say, you can approach, but Dante is going to have to return. He can go no further. Now, that draws us up short, because these words that Virgil has are supposed to immediately silence any opposition. Um, and Dante re realises this immediately, and he completely collapses. He falls into an abject terror. He thinks that he's going to be told to go back um, on his own, uh, left by Virgil. And um, it's a really dramatic about change, given how he, just a few moments before, as it were, had been cursing Filippo Argenti um, and rejoicing in Argenti's um, torments um, in the mud of his rage, seeing him gnawing himself and uh, in dire straits. Um, now Dante uh, falls immediately into a great terror. Um, and I, I think, you know, this that's what this state is like, um, that uh, from moment to moment you can flip from a kind of assurance um, to a new depth of fear that you barely knew existed before. And that's what this canto is trying to instill upon us. And as if to underline it, Dante himself says, Dear reader, imagine how I felt. Um, he breaks the fourth wall. He addresses us directly. It's one of those wonderful, terrifying, in this instant, moments uh, where we're brought right alongside Dante, almost to the walls of dis ourself, wondering what's going to happen, wondering whether we're going to understand. You know, are we going to be able to bear um, what um, it looks like Dante's going to have to face, whether he returns or whether by some miracle um, he finds his way forward. Virgil, though, is not quite at that point yet. He says to Dante, look, you wait here, I'll go and speak to them. Um, so where Virgil's still got that sense that somehow Dante is learning, Dante has got enough within him to be able to uh, at least stay put um, where he is in hell um, for the moment. He goes forward, but quite quickly returns. And when he returns, he is looking completely downcast. All his self-assurance is gone. Um, you can imagine him looking pale. Um, Dante is doubled up with his fear and trembling. But the canto ends with Virgil uttering sort of words of comfort um, that he's stating as a kind of blind faith, a bit like a creed that someone recites, but without really understanding. So it brings no comfort at all. Um, it's the, the thinnest thing to try to hold on to. Virgil says, look, I have been assured that we'll be allowed to pass, that this has come from no place less than heaven itself. Um, this will be okay. But the canto ends with it feeling like things are not okay at all.